Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the newest installment of Best Movie, Worst Movie. I'm one of your hosts, Sean Campia. And uh, for those of you who are new around here, welcome, of course. And in this show, what we do is we take different categories of movies every episode, and then we simply break down. What is the best movie of that category? What is the worst movie of that category? And this time out, you know, we've had times when we've had categories where, oh my God, there's going to be a whole lot to choose from from best ones and a whole hell of a lot to choose from from the worst ones. This one's going to be a little bit challenging. You're going to find out why in just a second. Of course, joining me, of course, my other co-host here, first of all, is Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing? John, it's great to be here. And yes, I echo your sentiment. This was a little tough for me. This category was a tough category. Yeah, and you're gonna, you guys will see why in a second. Of course, joining us also is Cody Miller. Cody, how you doing? Thank you guys so much. I'm I'm excited to be here. Uh, yeah, this category is awesome because there's well, you'll see. I'm, I'm not going to get into it. It's going to be good. It's, it's going to be really good. It's going to be good. And without any further ado, guys, here it is. Our category that we're going to discuss best and worst out of today is by definition all best. I mean, literally by definition, it's all best. We are talking about the best and worst of the Academy Award Best Picture winners of the 2000s. So that's anywhere from between 2000 to 2009, the Best Picture. So you can see our conundrum. Because obviously, it's first of all, we got a bunch of good pictures to pick from, so it's going to be tough to pick the best. But how do you pick the worst out of a slew of films that all, by definition, were the best of their year? That one's going to be a a little tough. Guys, what a year for movie it was. Like, not even Best Picture winners. You're talking about... Lord of the Rings. You're talking about uh, Finding Neverland, which I absolutely love. Capote, Brokeback Mountain, Juno, Moulin Rouge, which is in my top 20 all-time favorite films. Crouching Tiger, Aaron Brockovich. I mean, this was a great decade for movies. And then some of the best ones we're going to go into in, in a second. Now, just to let you guys know, this is going to be one of the more limited ones we've ever had because there's only, by definition, 10 films we can even choose from. Those 10 that we have the option of choosing from are 2000 Best Picture winner, Gladiator, 2001 Best Picture winner, A Beautiful Mind, 2002 Best Picture winner, Chicago, 2003 Best Picture winner, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, 2004 Best Picture winner, Million Dollar Baby, 2005 Best Picture winner, Crash, 2006 Best Picture winner, Departed, from 2007 is No Country for Old Men, from 2008 is Slumdog Millionaire, and the final one of that decade in 2009 Hurt Locker, directed by Catherine Bigelow, uh, beating her own ex-husband, James Cameron, who was also nominated that year for directing Avatar. So I'm sure there was a little bit of added sugar into that for Catherine Bigelow as well. (laughs) So we're going to sit here now and talk about our best and our worst from this slew of motion pictures. I think it's going to be interesting to see how we all kind of navigate this. Rob, the 2000s 
saw a lot of interesting things coming. We've talked in previous weeks. It was kind of the emergence of the comic book genre really entering into its golden age. At that point, we saw a lot of big stars like Russell Crowe and ever starting to take center stage, things like that. Some of the best directors of our era really started to emerge out of that time period as well. We, it was the era that Leonardo DiCaprio really started to establish himself as a true force in Hollywood. A lot of really big things. When you think about to that era of 2000s movies, what, what are some of the things that come to you well i i mean i think the fact that fantasy filmmaking was finally legitimized oh yeah definitely and it wasn't you know i worked a little bit i worked for the special features on the special features for the extended versions of the first two lord of the rings movies and seeing that that kind of filmmaking was finally taken as seriously as it was and it was also recognized not just by the public at large with the box office but with the academy because fantasy films had traditionally not done well at the Oscars. So it was great to see that genre, which I loved my whole life. I mean, I loved Jason the Argonauts when I was a kid, the fighting skeletons, <laughs> you know, and the stop motion animation of Ray Harryhausen. And to see what, and also look, I think the reason Lord of the Rings, not only were they beautifully made films, but it, they were based on literary properties. So the Academy could sit there and go, well, these are based on beloved books, you know, they're great adaptations. So, it wasn't like they were slumming. You know, they didn't think that, oh, well, we have to like anoint a fantasy movie now. No, it was it was earned. So and was it great. was a lot of people, it, all three of the Lord of the Rings films nominated for Best Picture. Only one other trilogy has ever done that a little trilogy called The Godfather. Yeah. We're all three, except in The Godfather's case, two of them actually won. In this case, Lord of the Rings Return of the Kings won. But the little feather in its hat in its hat was Return of the King. No other film in history has ever won more Academy Awards than what um, Return of the King did, winning 11. Nominated in 11 categories, it swept every single category it's in. But I don't want to go into that too much just in case when you guys pick this movie. So, so I'll leave that for you guys. But anyway, Robert, you know, let's start off with you here. This is, like this is called, this is, of course, a ridiculous list of films. These are all wonderful, magnificent films. Picking the one that is your favorite, a.k.a. best whatever, is no easy task. Only made harder by trying to pick the worst one. But you're, are, you are, that is your task, sir. That is your mission, should you choose to, to accept <laughs> it. What is the best of the best picture winners of that era? Okay, I'm going to flat out say that I don't think this movie is the best, but it's absolutely my favorite. Now, this was a, a film that is basically... It's a B movie. It's a genre movie. It's a movie that I didn't even, it comes from a long line of genre films that I didn't even particularly like growing up. But this movie, for whatever reason, I love this movie so much. It kicks so much ass. I've watched this movie a hundred times. My home theater system has seen the opening of this movie run through it more times than I could ever admit. I like to play it at ear splitting volumes and I have a definite man crush on the main character at the center of this film. And that is Maximus Decimus Meridius. There we go. Father to a murdered kid, uh, husband to a murdered wife. wife. He will have his vengeance in this life or the next. I love this movie. I love gladiator. I love everything about it. And, and it, look, there's no reason this movie should work. If you read about how this movie was produced, they didn't even have a script when they started shooting it. They kept writing it as they went. It was like improv jazz movie making. And, uh, you know, traditionally, a, a pe- it, this movie got started because one of the producers showed Ridley Scott one painting 
one image and they wanted to make a gladiator movie. And Ridley Scott was like, I'm not going to make a gladiator movie. And the, the, I think it was, I don't know if it was Walter Parks who did that showed him this picture, this painting. I don't know what painting it was. And Ridley Scott said, yes, I will make this movie. I will make this movie. And you know, it, it has, it has Connie Nielsen who I've had a crush on since devil's advocate, when she almost had sex with Keanu Reeves to spawn the son of Satan, who was going to come and take over the world. I, I mean, I love her. I love Joaquin Phoenix as Commodus. Jaiman uh, 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 Hansu. Uh, it, it, this film, the the action sequences, the gladiatorial combat sequences in this movie are great. But I just love Russell Crowe. I love Russell yep. Crowe in this movie. <laughs> Me too. There's nothing about Russell Crowe in this movie that isn't great. He looks fantastic. His, the way he speaks is fantastic. The fact that you can tell he's a good man. Richard Harris's last performance, one of his, I think it's his last performance that, and, uh, and also Oliver Reed, you know, Oliver yep. Reed died while he was, he had a heart attack in a bar, like in Sardinia or wherever the hell they were. And, and it's his last performance and he finishes the movie anyway. There's so many iconic moments in this movie. Like I love the relationship that Maximus has with Oliver Reed Maximus like you knew Marcus Aurelius, you know, you knew Richard Harrison. Yes, I did. And I didn't say I knew him. I said he gave me my freedom. You know, he tapped <laughs> me on the shoulder once. I mean, this movie has so many great mo- scenes in it, but look, let's, let's, I will say right away. I believe that a best picture movie should transcend the year it comes out. It should transcend its subject matter and it should speak to those great human truths. Even I admit that I don't know if gladiator does that so much. I just love this movie because it kicks ass. I think everybody loved this movie. I can't believe it won Best Picture. I never thought it was. It was going a to. huge shock when it beat Traffic. Uh, uh, like, I mean, I think Traffic was. Predicted Soderbergh to win. won the Oscar yes, for yes. directing Traffic. Ridley Scott didn't win a directing award for this movie, but I love this movie so much because it speaks to both the eight-year-old kid me that wants to be a gladiator and kill some people in the ring with a big sword, and it also speaks to my nature of. Of what is it like to be a man like this man, <laughs> yeah. this man, there's no bigger man than Maximus in my mind. I want to be him when I grow up. And the, the movie, do. the movie's riddled with amazing moments. Yes. Like you're, you're already talking about the things about father to a murdered son, the uh, husband to a murdered wife. There's that. There's also this great line. Uh, near the big right. I think it's the opening scene of the film when they're about to finish their conquering of Germania. And, you know, his, his general comes up beside him and he says, Quintus, Quintus comes up beside him and says, people should know when they're conquered. Would you Quintus? Would I? That's why I love that. Oh, Oh, it's so good. There's so many. Oh my. There's another amazing line in the movie where he says, it's uh, what we do in this life echoes for eternity. That goes on eternity. Yes. There's so, there's so many lines. He's even funny. Like they're about to go into battle in that scene. And he goes, uh, if you find your uh, if you find yourself in Elysium, then it's whatever he says. But don't worry about it, you because you're in Elysium and you're already dead. You're yes. already, you're already so, dead. I, mean, yeah. I love that. I mean, and that's what he's telling. And his men love him. You know, he's, he's yes, got the great and and I love the relationships he has with Marcus Aurelius. You know, with with, with yeah. Harris and how they have these conversations about what does it mean to be a Caesar and my son would make a bad Caesar and and uh, but Commodus must not rule. No, must not rule and and it's so good. It's everything about it is just so good, even though it's really pretty much a B movie. I mean, it's 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 it could have been made for four million dollars, you know, but it's just it's got it's this lavish Hollywood production. They spared no expense and it still is just 
it's just this kick-ass movie about this one guy who just wants to kill the dude that ruined his life. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix, man. I mean, it, it, that was his coming out yes, party. Yes. It, it, that's the movie that made us obviously Russell Crowe wins the Academy Award. And of course we all talk. Absolutely. We do. But it is a little bit of a shame for Joaquin Phoenix because I believe he was also nominated for best supporting actor for this. And rightfully so, because if it wasn't for how good Russell Crowe was in this kind of showcasing him, I believe one of the planet's greatest actors, Definitely, we would have been talking about Joaquin Phoenix a lot sooner. Than, than we already did, because he was so good in that. There's a moment during one of the gladiatorial combat sequences where they cut to Joaquin Phoenix and he sticks his tongue out. Like, yeah, James yeah, yeah. kiss, like how, how much he loves his bloodlust. The is visceralness up. of it. Yeah, and he, I just hate when he does. I want to punch that kid in the face and I can't wait. I don't I don't want to spoil it for anybody if you haven't seen Gladiator, but <laughs> and the score, the Hans oh, Zimmer, yeah, Lisa so Gerard score, Lisa Gerard from Dead Can Dance, one of my favorite bands. I mean. Oh, the score is so good. You know what? Recently on one of the shows, we we're talking about um, the, the handshake. And I said, without question, one of the manliest handshakes ever is, of course, from the first Predator when Carl Weathers <laughs> right. and Arnold Schwarzenegger see each other the first time. Because it's not just the hand to hand. It's the it's forearm to forearm handshake. And then they do the flex like Ur. one of the greatest. Like I I'm not I deep down every time whether it's to either of you guys or anybody else I know that's a guy. When we're departing each other's company, it takes everything in my geek DNA not to say strength and honor. (laughs) Come on. Doesn't everybody want to say that? Doesn't every man want to say that? I swear you sent me that in an email once. I might have. There there are moments that I'm not able to put up the filter and I just say departing strength and honor. It's just the best. And I believe that's how Ridley Scott ended his acceptance speech. It was either him or the producer of the film. I can't remember. They ended the speech when they won Best Picture of the Academy Awards to say strength and honor. And it's just something every guy should say to every other guy right. when when you're leaving McDonald's There's or whatever. There's so many themes in this movie that run through that are yeah. just, that really resonate with the audience. I mean, just there's there's a theme of brotherhood, of these guys who are in the pit fighting to the death and the bond that they share. I mean, everyone who experiences something that tragic and, and with that kind of tribalism, there's a bond that is unshakable. And at the end of the movie, I mean, everyone knows how this film ends, but at the end of the movie, when, I can't remember, what's the name of the, the, the black actor who's burying the little Jamin Hansu. So when he's burying that piece from Shazam, and, yeah, for, exactly from Shazam. Um, when he's like, "I'll see you again, brother," but not yet. But not yet. Yes. Not yet. You're not like, I'm getting so goosebumps good. right so, now. The way his voice in that movie. Yes, Jamin Hansu. That was peak Jamin Hansu. Oh, he was great. He is, yes. He's so good in that. So Just, good. You know, and when uh, it, it's when he wakes up and first meets Jamin Hansu when he's on the, you know, he's the cart. His, his wound. Yeah, his wound is. He's got like the maggots are in the wound, cleaning it out. Oh and, yeah. Oh, it's so. Oh, good. Good pick, Rob. <laughs> I mean, and, and there's there's nothing not to love. Now, I remember the first, the very first time I saw Gladiator, I liked it, but didn't love it the very first time. And I think the reason I didn't love it was I remember saying to my friend walking out, I was looking forward to seeing that 100,000 man Roman army laying siege to Rome, which is which was what he was building up to. Is right. he, he was going to go, his men were going to see the general lives and they were going to screw whatever emperor we're supposed to serve. That's the general. And we follow Maximus and they, he was going to come lay siege and then he got caught. And then I watched it again for a second time, like three days later. And me and my buddies went to go see it. And I was like, no, this is the best. This is absolutely 
the best. Oh, one of my favorite lines because I forget the actor's name, but he ends. He plays Chibs in uh, in Sons. Sons of Anarchy, and I, I forget the actor's name. The guy with the big scar. Oh yeah, down the side of his eye, and he's like, uh, he's you know, you know, how are the men? They're bored and they're fat. And it, like, I just love that. Or also the oh, great moment between Maximus and, and Jaiman Hansu. And he says, I say to my son, you know, do this and do this. Like, cause he prays to his son and his wife and Jaiman Hansu walks in on that and he says, what do you say to your son? And he says, I say this, this, and he says, and what do you say to your wife? And then he looks at me and goes, that is none of your concern. <laughs> like, oh my God. That is so great. This is oh, so freaking good. And one of the reasons why Russell Crowe, I mean, look, Daniel day Lewis is the greatest. I think Daniel day Lewis is the best. There is the best. There was the best there ever will be. I don't think everybody, but my favorite actor is Russell Crowe. I, I can watch him. In, I can watch him in the mummy and appreciate and love him in the mummy. I, I just, oh God. Well, we love Man of Steel. I loved him as Jarrell. Oh he my God. Great Even as holographic Jarrell. We could do a full <laughs> podcast talking about the greatness of that film and particularly him in that film. We should do a best, best movie, worst movie, just best and worst moments of just Man of Steel. But <laughs> I, you know, I was talking to somebody recently about mystery Alaska. I mean, I, I love mystery, Alaska, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so gladiator, good, solid pick man and the one that kicked off the the decade of the 2000s and probably the best ridley scott film he's certainly ever done he hasn't made one better since uh, then, I, I would think. i would argue that the martian is at that level i martian's great you know what yeah. i mean the flat I out love, great yeah i agree with you i especially the extended version yes but i don't know if i like it as much as gladiator what's well, a different kind of like for yes. me it was a very different kind different of movie kind of like but it's still yes. i think in terms of satisfaction yes that's yeah. a great way to measure it i think the martian is incredibly satisfying yeah and the oh same it is gladiator where uh, his other movies like as i said i was certainly not satisfied by prometheus you know, and we're not getting into podcast. it, Rob. <laughs> but but the the Martian and Gladiator are when you get to the end of those movies, you feel like you had this full, rich meal. Yes, you yeah. know everything was firing on all cylinders, and it was just very heavenly. Great. All right, so we got the Gladiator is is picked as one of them. So let's go go on over to you, Cody. It's a tough. It's a tough task. There's I mean, no wrong some, pick. There's no wrong pick here, but a pick you must make. So what is your pick for best of the best picture winning films of the 2000s? So I'm going to choose the film that I definitely have the most nostalgia for, but that doesn't make it. I mean, that's not the only reason like, okay, I, I'm going to choose return of the King as, as the nice. greatest of this category. I think it's probably one of the greatest cinematic achievements in history. As you said earlier, John, it was nominated for more Academy awards than any other film in history. It won every single one of those awards, which we'll probably never see again. That means that year it was the best in everything in writing, in cinematography, in directing, in sound design, in visual effects, Everything was nearly perfect. And the amazing thing is you watch it today and it still stands up because they had the perfect blend of practical effects and visual effects. And it's and it's wonderful. I mean, there's the the thing with this film is there was so much so much riding on its shoulders. Very few films before have had this much pressure leading into the, the finale of a trilogy. I would argue that maybe outside of Star Wars, nothing has ever had that kind of pressure before. And the fact that it followed through with such a satisfying, tasteful, beautiful ending 
was amazing. I mean, it's completely remarkable. I mean, it's it's character driven. Every single character yes. in this film you yes. love, and that's you appreciate, overlooked. you you connect with, you understand where they're coming from. You've seen their journey. I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's it's all about the journey. And this movie is the payoff to that journey. And it's so tasteful. And there's so many little details that Peter Jackson does right. I mean, even in the, the ending sequence, when when Frodo and Sam are fighting Gollum, trying to throw the ring into the fire. And when the ring falls, and it lands on that little speck of lava and it hasn't gone in yet and there's that bit of tension then it slowly deteriorates and falls into the lava. I mean, there's so many little things that's just beautiful. It's I'll never forget seeing this movie in theaters Christmas weekend in 2003. Yep. Full pack theater. I mean, it's one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, this movie is... you. We could do a 10-hour podcast breaking down all the things this film does right. Yeah. It's, it's a masterpiece of a film. Now, there are... I should mention it. There are... Two other films that won 11 Academy Awards, but but no other film has ever won more. No film has ever won more than that. So you, those are the, the two that, that are the three films, uh, uh, you know, Return of the King being one of them that won 11. But I mean, God, I mean, everything from the music, it still might be my all time, like John Williams and the Star Wars stuff notwithstanding. It will probably be my favorite score. I can just pop in the soundtrack to any Lord of the Rings movie. And every time I hear... My heart just gets whisked away to Middle Earth, to the Shire, and it takes Dude, me. Dude, I got you know? I get chills just by you going ba ba ba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on. My friends, you bow to no okay. man. Okay. Can I just say oh, the chills. Can I just say I mentioned in a previous episode that there's only been four or five moments in movies that have ever made me weep. I mean, lots of you get chills and maybe your eyes water, but there's only been four or five moments in films that I just break down and literally cry. And I remember 2003, I was in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada at my all-time favorite movie theater, the Ancaster Silver City, because I specifically went there because I wanted to watch this movie there. And I remember that moment when the king, uh, they've won it all. And they're having the reception. He's walking through the elves and through the men and through Rohan and everybody bound to the king. And he comes up to these four hobbits. And the four hobbits standing in front of the king of men, they start to bow. And Strider goes, my friends, I'm going to get emotional thinking about this. He says, my friends, you bow to no one. And he takes a knee. The uh. king of men takes a knee in front of these four little hobbits. And then all of Middle Earth take the knee to these four hobbits. And the the shot that Peter Jackson and the cinematographer, I forget who his, his cinematographer was. Andrew uh, Lesney. The shot that they then compose of this very slow push. It's a mid-range shot with a very slow push in of the four hobbits standing there looking both proud, bewildered, confused, overwhelmed. And there was, it's a slow pushing with a very slight turn to it. And it just heightens that moment. And I remember I stood up I stood up and I know this is embarrassing and I, the people I embarrassed the people I was with, <laughs> I stood up in my theater and I started clapping and just said, yes, yes. And I'm like crying and I'm weeping. <laughs> so it is one of the best single moments in cinematic history, in my opinion, I, I, you know, movies are supposed to be these experiences. Movies are supposed to be experiential events. And I can't, I'm hard pressed to think of many more moments that delivered that emotional experience to me, like that shot. Well, you know, you, you say that and, and I don't think there's ever been a time in movie history where a, mo a moment was earned 
more than that. Yeah. One. So you know, it's three movies, movies, three movies, this amazing, this, uh, you know, the, uh, the unexpected journey, this amazing journey that, that we we've taken with these characters and everything they've gone through. I mean, they've literally gone to hell and back. Yep. And, 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 the the triumph of that moment where it was we needed we had it, it took three years to get these movies done first of all to, for us to see the ball right. it took longer yeah. to make them but the release you know that that moment represents was so great and the characters I mean the actors that play the hobbits and it's just like you say it, it it I think about it now it's so good the way you describe I would love to have seen you jump up and oh I, I was a weepy <laughs> mess and I'm like yeah. And the whole audience starts laughing at me, but clapping along too. It's yeah, just, it's that's an uh, amazing moment. That those movies are truly astonishing. And then, by the way, it's my pick too. Uh, is, and and then the I remember sitting there, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. It is the final film. We've gone on this three-year journey with these characters, all epically length movies, and all this kind of stuff. And then the end credits start to roll. And it's Annie Lennox singing Into the West. Oh, my heart. As they have the brown parchment paper look effect with these sketches of the journey. Oh, yeah. And I sat there in this theater (laughs) just watching these things. It's like I had come to the end of a journey with my friends. You had. We had come to the end of this journey. And as Annie Lennox is singing, maybe the best final song in film history that was not just a great song. You can drop a great song in any movie. It was a great song that completely absorbed the DNA of the entire film franchise in one performance. How about when she belts it? I mean, and she belts out that song when it, on the it, horizon. It, 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 like, yeah. it starts out really slow yes. and then it reaches this crescendo and it was, she actually encapsulated in that one song, what it was like to watch all of those movies and probably what it was like to have made all those films over the course of the many years they worked on those movies. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, and also I have to say that in terms of, Showing us things that we've never seen before. Oh, yeah. Like we as geeks, as film geeks, have had a lot over the last 40 years that we've never seen before. But the battle of Pelennor Fields. Oh. Or it, Helm's it, Deep. Right. Or, or, but, but, but yeah, this, Pelennor Fields, yeah. The creatures and the... The, the the troops and the horses and the, uh, the mama kills and the, the oliphants. And the, it was just, you're looking at this going... This is just, this is movie making at its finest. I never thought I'd see anything like this before. Dude, when Theoden has his Braveheart moment. Oh, man. And gives that to ruin death. And then then the visual of the horsemen of Rohan coming over that hill. And then Peter Jackson so brilliantly does this little edit to the faces of the orcs who never show fear and they were shitting themselves (laughs) at the sight of the army of Rohan coming over that hill. Oh, you know, there's also, we've talked about this before, but there's a moment there. That's one of my favorite moments in all of cinema history. When, when they, they light the pyres to alert Rohan that that Gondor, Gondor needs Rohan. And there's, like you said, the music, that Howard Shore music, and there's the sweeping camera shots and you see, because they, they they shoot real New Zealand, but yeah. of course they, they use CG and they use these VFX to add the pyres. But the shot is so amazing. The vista of New Zealand is so amazing. And what it means, it's like these two, these two worlds of men are now going to unite, which they weren't on the best of terms, let's face it, but they have to answer the call. 
And it's just like, this is it. This is the last battle of man on earth. I mean, is this the end of the world? And it's such a, by a hobbit, a hobbit, a hobbit lit that pyre, you know? And think about the, the line. One of the great, you, you know me, I love grr moments, you know, whether, whether it's the end of best and the best when Dayhan takes over and gives his medal to Tommy grr, the, the handshake grr, you know, strength and honor. When, so Strider comes running down, he sees the beacons have been lit. Strider comes running down. He goes into the throne room with Aiden and he says, the fires have been lit. Gondor calls for aid. And then there's this pause and thought. And then Theoden, like the man goes, and Rohan shall answer. (laughs) Oh my, when he says, as like, he's the boss and he goes, and Rohan shall answer. And it's like, I love that how every single character in the fellowship in all of them, I mean, whether you're a high ranking member from, from, you know, the elvish community or a dwarf or a hobbit, every single character in this movie at a point in time is in despair and needs help and yeah. can't do it on their own. And so it's, it's, it's a, bro- it's, it's camaraderie, it's teamwork, it's a brotherhood, but I mean, it's just, it's the triumph of spirit and hope and everyone can resonate with that. And, and, and then just that, the, I mean, it culminates so beautifully. So beautifully. Well, yeah. So there we go. So two of us are picking, um, Lord, I, I dabbled with, cause I really love the departed. I really love the departed. I dabbled with departed, but I, I just wouldn't be true to myself if I didn't say, and look, this was a decade that gladiator and return of the King came out like in one, that one span. So incredible. Okay. Let's change gears a little bit. Uh, or really a lot. This this is the tougher part. Picking films that rough. are worst of this bunch. And I, I'm going to, I'll start things off on this one. My worst of this bunch, and maybe the only one that I didn't enjoy all that much. Because, first of all, let's, let's just say, I liked every single film on this mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. And probably liked them all a lot. The one that I thought was good but I really didn't understand it being nominated for best picture, let alone winning best picture was Chicago. I, and it's, it's, Hey, look, I've got a soft spot for musicals. Like I love you greatest showman. I, I am the song and dance man. I, I love Moulin Rouge is one of my favorite films. I love Les Mis and all that kind of stuff and all that jazz. But <laughs> Rob Marshall's Chicago was a movie that was musically quite good. Mm-hmm. And Renee Zellweger and um, uh, Queen Latifah and all that kind of stuff, I believe got a, an Academy Award nomination for that. And then, of course, um, uh, Mrs. Michael Douglas, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Jones. she won, right? Uh, I believe she, I'm did excited. she the one that won as well? But anyway, there's some very good performances, it's an ambition movie, but I thought, at the end of the day, I thought a good movie. It's a good movie. But I, I did not understand, even at the time, I did not understand the fascination with it. Like, I don't know if it's just the fact that it's a, an old beloved musical and Hollywood just really wanted to have some of that throwback or anything like that. But to me, like I said, at the end of the day, look, it certainly was no Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, and, and by the way, Two Towers was nominated that year. Yep. Moulin Rouge, which is a top 20 favorite film of mine, was nominated that room. And then there was In the Bedroom. So that's fine. But I honestly think... Um, I was almost going to say God, God's for Park. And sorry, uh, In the Bedroom was not the same year. It was The Hours that was the same year. I honestly thought Gangs of New York, the Two uh, two Towers, um, The Pianist, 
Oh, and wait a minute. No, Moulin Rouge was in It's a Beautiful Mind year. So yeah, it was The Pianist, Lord of the Rings, and Gangs of New York. I thought all three of those films probably should have won over Chicago. So I'm going to go. It's weird talking about worst movie when it's a good movie and it was a best picture winner, but I'm going to take Chicago on that one. So that's what's going to be my pick for the worst. Cody, what about you? When you look at this one, which which is the least good? Well, I can't argue against that because uh, I, too, think that Chicago was one of the weaker films in that field that year. I really believe that Gangs of New York was just something special, like on another level. Right. Bill the Butcher. Yeah. Oh my God. Bill the Butcher. So, and De- just Daniel Day Lewis, man. Good God. He's amazing. Um, and I mean, two towers, two towers was amazing too. But the one I'm actually going to go with is the one that I think is probably a little bit weaker, but has certainly has a better performance. And that's actually a beautiful mind. And mm. I think a beautiful mind is a very, very well-made film and certainly deserve it of being nominated for best picture. No doubt about that. And Russell Crowe in that film is outstanding. Yeah, he is. I mean, that's one of those things like in this that time period when he went from Gladiator winning best actor to a beautiful mind. And and there was like a five year span where it's like this guy is just the best on the planet. Yeah. I mean, he's on another level. Yeah. Um, I mean, a couple years after that, he had Cinderella Man. Um, But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that overall, this film, although it's wonderful and the subject matter is very rich, it's the least memorable and it made the it made the smallest impact on me. I like I like when I look at it in terms of, okay what experience did I have watching all of these films? I had a better time and more enjoyment watching Chicago, even though I agree with you. It's it's not the greatest film. and It is a little bit shocking that it won. And we can debate the merits of whether or not it deserved to win or not. But ultimately, my enjoyment level just wasn't the same. And and I look at other films like, you know, when I walked out of uh the one that won in 2009 over Avatar, uh, a Hurt Locker. Hurt when Locker, I like, walked yeah. out of Hurt Locker, that's one that like philosophically shook me to my core. You know, a film that right. that that argued the merits of is what would you do if you were in a situation where you might have to murder someone to protect yourself and your clan of people, right? Like there, and there's a lot of those. And I had a lot of those moments walking out of these other films where I had a deep philosophical thought or, or just a better time, like more enjoyment. And when I walked out of a beautiful mind, I mean, once again, it's a beautiful film, but ultimately it made the the smallest impact on me. And, and, and also mm. I would even throw in rewatchability out there. So like of all these films, which ones would, and whether or not that's right or wrong, you know, whether, whether rewatchability, cause there are some great movies that are hard to rewatch. Sure. But I mean, but I'm going to throw it out there anyways, for, of all those films, it would probably be the one that I would want to, I wouldn't want to rewatch first. Exactly. Right. And that's why, but, but again, it's Russell, I can't stress this enough. Like for those people listening who have not seen it, you need to see it because it is incredible. And Russell Crowe is, it's something special. It really is. So my pick is a beautiful mind. And Jennifer Connelly. Oh, yes. It was so good. And Paul, um, uh, vision, uh, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Oh, I forgot. Uh, that's Paul. Bettany. Yeah. That's right. Met. Yeah. Is it really? Then they went on and did Master and Commander. That movie is incredible. Oh my oh my god, Rush. real quickly. My roommate in college, James Wells, shout out James. His family, he comes from Maine, and they have a, a lobstering fisherman company. That's what they do. Like basically deadliest catch. They have these boats that go out there on the waters. And his dad is like the closest a spitting image of Popeye the sail. Just this big, <laughs> burly, wide man with huge forearms. <laughs> and his all-time favorite movie is Master and 
Commander. He <laughs> loves that movie. And I'm, I, I, I love the story James tells. He would wake up early because he has to, you know, fishermen get up super early to go out and catch the fish. And James would wake up to the, to the thunderous sound of their home stereo system of the waves crashing from that movie. Just, <laughs> I mean, at like 5 a.m. before he, he would watch, he would watch scenes of that movie to get himself pumped up before he goes out on the boat. Go fishing. Oh. I am pumped up to go fish. Oh, anyway, awesome. anyway. See, there are men and then there are men. There are men. That yeah. dude's a that man. That dude is a man. <laughs> All right, Rob, let's throw it over to you. Well, what is the worst of this bunch? I'm, I'm going to go with the cliche choice, the obvious choice, and that would be 2005's Crash. Mm. Right. Now, here's the thing. Crash is not a bad movie. And famously, Paul Haggis based it, the director, the writer-director on this on the film, Paul Haggis, <laughs> famously wrote this movie about something that actually happened to him. He was carjacked. He has he had his Porsche carjacked from him. I think on Wilshire Boulevard somewhere. He's coming out of a video store and he got carjacked. So the whole movie develops around that story. And basically it's all about a day in the life of LA and all of it's about racial inequality and it's about income inequality. And it's about all of these important things, but it's so obvious. It's so, it's so, you know, I've always believed my philosophy behind best picture winners is that the stories should be bigger than themselves. They should be telling stories that are universal and they should be telling stories that appeal to all of humanity. Like when you watch the story of Gandhi, you get a good biopic of Gandhi, but it really is about the triumph of the human spirit. And anybody could be Gandhi. We all could be Gandhi, you know, and and it speaks to that that global nature of the human experience. And I feel like like Crash was really kind of upper middle class white people problems in LA, even though it wasn't, Yeah, but it just, it felt to me so just so heavy handed. Like I get it. But if you're like in India living in poverty and you watch crash, basically I would think you'd be thinking, what are these assholes complaining about? I mean, even, 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 even they live in this sprawling metropolis and their problems really like, I just, I don't know what I'm going to eat. The Ganges polluted. I mean, come on. I, 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 and you're watching crash and it just seemed to me like it was, I guess the word would be smug. No, I'm watching it as an American and I'm like, okay, I get it. Great cast, you know, a lot of star power on the screen. And, and it is speaking to the kind of pr- racial prejudices we all have and all of the, 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 the horrible things that we do to each other on a daily basis. Now we're just not good people, but I'm like, is that all there is to it? Like, okay. And maybe there's some uplift at the end of the day, but I know all of these things. And the problem for me is that the story wasn't that compelling. The story was, it felt like I was watching this preachy, after school special. There was another movie that came out before that in the nineties by Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Raiders of Lost Ark mm-hmm. and he directed mm-hmm. Body Heat and Silverado. It's a movie called Grand Canyon that sort of covered a lot of the same ground, but it, it, it spoke to me more maybe because there's the movie business was in it. And uh, I just, I really didn't like crash very much. I thought, I thought it was, it was didactic and pedestrian. Wow. Wow. Didactic. And, and, and however, that's not to say it isn't a very well-crafted film with many great performances. Matt Matt Dillon is especially a standout in crash. That scene when he's pulling her out, when he's pulling the woman out of the car as it's burning after he's basically sexually assaulted her. I mean, that, that's a, that's a scene that like shakes you. 
mean, that's oh, deep. it is. But I'm like, I, I'm like, it's designed to. It's yes. so people talk about Steven Spielberg, one of the greatest directors of all time. Of how he's emotionally manipulative. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, his stories, his stories. I, I'm emotionally manipulated by a master. Now, Paul Haggis is not Steven Spielberg, and that scene is uh, point case in point. It's so manipulative, and it's so like. Oh, it's so powerful because it's designed to be. It's almost like here comes the powerful scene. I would argue that every team. movie is designed to be that way, though. Well, it's true. You're you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But you know what? When E.T. and Elliot are embracing at the end of E.T., that's some earned shit, man. That's right down <laughs> to the core by soul. Yeah, it's funny because I I like Crash a lot, and I'm one of the guys that I always defend its win at the Academy Awards that year. No, no, don't get me wrong. By the way, it's a be- it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, and all yes. the films in the list are, but don't get me wrong. I'm not saying if I was a voting Academy uh, member in 2005 that I necessarily would have crashed uh, or uh, crashed. I wouldn't have necessarily <laughs> cast my vote or my ballot for it either. I probably would have gone good night and good luck over it. I probably would have gone Capote over really? it yeah i probably would have gone munich mm. over it yeah i wouldn't have t- uh, the, the popular choice that year was brokeback mountain and i think i think brokeback mountain's a very good movie but I, sh- I would have taken crash over it but it was close enough to me that even though there were two or three other films i would have given the nod to over crash i liked it enough that i went like i have no complaints about it winning right. you know what i mean like i would have picked something else but I have no complaints at this one one because it was it was pretty close. By the way, me. Munich is one of the most <clears throat> underrated Spielberg films of all. Oh, I God, think. I love it. I agree. Munich. Great film. So Great good. One. All right, guys. Well, that does it. We've we made it. We got through it. The, the best and worst of the Academy Award winning films of the 2000s. Again, our, our very limited selection we had, but it was Hurt Locker, Slumdog Millionaire, uh, No Country for Old Men, The Departed, Crash, Million Dollar Baby, which, by the way, I think is a freaking brilliant Great movie. Film, I love too. Million Dollar. Lord of the Rings, Trailer, The King, Chicago, Beautiful Mind, and of course, Gladiator. So that will wrap up, guys, this installment of Best Movie, Worst Movie. I want to thank the guys sitting here with me. First of all, Mr. Cody Miller. Cody, where can people find you and all the stuff you're doing online? You guys can find me online on Twitter at Swim Miller with one M on Instagram, just at Cody Miller and check out my YouTube channel, Cody Miller Adventures. And of course, sitting over here, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Burnett RM. Find me on Instagram at RM Burnett or find me on my YouTube channel, The Burnett Work and its adjacent website, TheBurnettWork.net. And of course, you guys can follow me on social media on Instagram, just at John Campion Anytime, and every day, Monday through Friday, on my show, The John Campion Show, talking about movies and movie news and all that sorts of good stuff. You can follow me there on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash John Campia. That'll do it for us, guys. Thanks for being here, participating in Best and Worst with us. That'll do it for now. My name is John Campia, and until next time, bye bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.